This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the county result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. If you like this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on whatever podcast player you're listening to. And for more information, you can go to www.scarfbagarawar.co.uk. You're listening to the Scarf Pagara War. For county fans, by county fans. Oh, great flick up by Alan Armstrong. Next on BBC Two, it's the Culture Show. Oops, sorry, wrong intro. Welcome to the Scarf Bagara War, the podcast for county fans by county fans. I'm Nick Lee, here to preside over our latest monthly offering, Plenty to Unpick. Now, we're very aware that it might not have been the most cheerful offering, so we've looked to offset the misery with some cracking nostalgia coming up in the second half of the show. Obviously, I can't shoulder this burden on my own, so let's see who's going to help me carry that weight. Oh, that's, that's weird, that. I've just remembered when I was writing that intro, I was plant. I thought, oh, carry that weight, that's good. What I'll do, I'll pepper some more Beatles titles into the intro. Yes. And then that advert came on the telly, you know, the bird's eye, steam fresh veggies one. It's like, we are veggies, we are healthy. I love that advert. I've not seen that. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, I'll send it to you later. It's fantastic. But yeah, that advert came on and I just forgot all about that. Anyway, back, back to the podcast. Um, so it's our cultural ambassador for the night is Dave Espley. You right, Dave? Hi, Nick, you're right. Yeah, not bad, mate, not bad. We've also got the head of the Tameside Cultural Outreach Programme. It's Dave Long. <laughs> all right, mate. Yeah, all right, mate. There's a lot, lot of Daves tonight. Luckily, our guest isn't a Dave, so that's something. Uh, our guest tonight is a long-time county fan. Nothing out of the ordinary, I hear you cry. However, he's also behind 57hattersyears.co.uk, an invaluable resource for your county history needs. A veteran of 1,957 games on 181 different grounds, is limbering up for the fixture of his life tonight. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Martin Frost. Hello, great Martin. Good to see you guys. Hi. Uh, really Hello, Martin. Great, great to have you here. Um, it's good. We're getting the uh, getting the the view on the streets here over the events. So, without any further ado, get into a little bit of admin. Uh, Russ normally does this. It's horrible having to take on. I feel like I've stepped into Russ's trousers in the warm. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Um, but there has been a lot of bedwetting going on, so you can excuse a bit of moisture, can't you? Um, like, so, that, yeah, we're, this is one of our, our monthly shows where we cover events at Edgeley Park and also delve into a classic issue of the Tea Party, courtesy of Dave Espley and also courtesy of Martin Frost, who was involved in tonight's episode as well. Um, aside from this episode, we've got our usual review preview shows, which are out every week. Um, myself and Russ spoke with Stephen O'Halloran. That's, that's up as is uh, Dave Long and Russ Johnson with Darren Ryan. Uh, you can get all that at www.scarfbegowerwar.co.uk. Uh, they're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, any other podcast player. Um, we've also got our blog, haven't we, Dave? Certainly have, mate. Certainly have. And there's a, there's a new piece up there, if I, if I remember right. Well, I, I hope there is, because I read it yesterday. Yeah, yeah, the uh, second part of the January review is up and uh, available now, so check that out. Anyone that enjoyed the the first part um, will no doubt enjoy the second part as well, so yeah, feel free to uh, head on to the website and check that out. Are you uh, bracing yourself for some some mentions on Facebook there, Dave? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, turn your notifications off when you go to bed, mate, it's for the best. Yeah, mostly positive, so that's always good. Um, the online but... haven of sanity that is Facebook. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The hive of contitude. Well, without without further ado, we should get into the uh, the, the week's games. Uh, play the jingle. And when you're a massive narcissist and a bit pompous like me, then um, you know, <laughs> it also helps as well. I'm fully on board. I'm a I'm a brand bitch now. I mean, you know, like, people are trying to outpop each other. It smelt like egg and tasted like cider. I've even shouted at ball boys. That's the type of mad arsery that I can't get behind. I've learnt that Dave wasn't part of the move to, to get us away from Edgeley Park. We, we couldn't afford an engraved carriage clock for you, so here's that that bird yeah. from the Cheadle full of bird yeah. shit. In a week where we lost geriatric athlete, Lord Rear Admiral, Professor Captain Sir Tom, we watched a lot of Great County on the telly. Right, so first first game for the um, the new regime on Saturday. So a four one win at Woking. What, what's the Rusk assessment, fellas? They had an out to beat. Yeah, it, as, as much as I don't want to take anything away from... I mean, you can only beat what's in front of you, but I genuinely oh, yeah. think that's one of the worst teams we've played in non-league. Yeah. Very much yeah. So, uh, having been around most at non-league places, I watched that unfold on laptop, uh, and I thought how poor they were. But yeah, you can't take away from it. You only uh, beat who's in front of you. Uh, and I thought they beat him pretty convincingly uh, on a... Uh, should we say dubious surface? Having said that, last night's was uh, no better either. Yeah, it, it made you want to go back to Woking, didn't it, last night's pitch? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. I, I, I want to come to that when we talk about last night's game because I think the surface is, is pretty significant to us at the moment. But I must admit, I, did, I didn't uh, watch Saturday. Um, I was still on a, a bit of a boycott because <laughs> my son had said he wasn't going to pay for any more after, after we sat Gannon and I, I held out for two games, I think. <laughs> but then... Um, I saw, I saw the, the highlights, and obviously there's a cracking goal from Rooney. But as Martin said, yes, you can only beat what's in front of you, and we did that job as well as could be expected with you know with a 4-1 win. 
I think the I think people are looking potentially for instant reactions to Rusk's um, regime, and you know, can you take anything from two ninety-minute games? You can't. Well, the You've answer, got to have. The answer to that's got to be no, because what did he do? Yeah. A couple of sessions before Woking, uh, presumably one before last night's game. Uh, yeah. And what kind of impact can he have? Uh, they always talk about a new manager bounce and all of that. I'm not certain that we needed a bounce. <laughs> True's known. No. Uh, but, no, absolutely. Uh, uh, we'll not see the uh, the impact of Rusk and McGee and Conlon and all these other people. Cast of thousands behind the scenes, as far as I can see. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, for uh, a good few weeks, yeah. Yeah, I think that's even true when you could potentially say um, a, an individual result, whether it's Saturday or last night, could potentially be down to a new manager with different tactics, making of changes or whatever. I don't know whether he did because I'm not a master, master tactician and the team wasn't particularly different from, from Gannon's teams. Um, it could be argued that Gannon wouldn't have lost last night, may have still won on Saturday. But you do have to give a, lo- a longer period in order to judge a new manager. And I, I think we're probably looking towards the end of the season. I think... I would be very disappointed with the squad that I think we've got. Um, and other things to take into account, like I, I mentioned the pitch, which I'll come to later. But I'd be very disappointed if we don't finish in, you know, top four. To be honest, mm. I think we are a top four team, if not a top two, top one or two team. And uh, you know, if we don't get that, then that's the time to be very disappointed. Well, it was interesting to me, Dave, uh, that the Woking manager, I can't remember his name, uh, came out and oh, yeah. said, "We are the best team in the league." Uh, well, he did. Uh, uh, I've been watched uh, uh, quite a few of them now, uh, and I've dipped into some other games as well when we've not been playing. Uh, uh, I know that we are not the best team in the league. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, I think there's others uh, which are pretty good. And I'm always impressed by the, um, you know, quite a few of these southern teams. I thought when they came to Edgeley, when we could go in uh, in the 2019-20 season, uh, I thought there were a fair few decent teams uh, uh, come up from the south. Uh, so... You're probably right. We should finish near the top. The resources that have been put in, but uh, uh, I think only time's going to tell. I think I'm basing I'm basing that on yes, yes, the resources, yes, the squad, etc., etc. But I think, and I think I'm being, I think this is fair. Um, If you're going to sack someone like Gannon, regardless of of the the culture issue and and you know it's his dream job and and how well he regarded he was by the majority of fans. If you're going to sack somebody when you're fourth in the table, you've got to, you've got to at least maintain that. if not improved. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I said before that the club have backed themselves into a corner. Now they've played the hand, so they need to achieve or better what Gannon had already achieved. So yeah. Yeah. I expect us like you, Dave, to be uh, in and around the, the, the top four, if not, if not above that. Um, yeah. A few people seem to be surprised that we were so convincing against Woking. Um, I suppose, given what had happened over the last last week or so, then <clears throat> then yeah, there's there's probably an element of surprise about it. But for me, this is what we're capable of. We've seen it quite a lot over the last few weeks, um, certainly since New Year. Um, that, that this kind of aggressive and fast start, um, we're really going at teams and. Um, the, the the pitch was awful, but this certainly didn't seem to affect us. So it's absolutely no surprise for me that we're, we're capable of this. And obviously we're not going on to last night's game yet, but it's what makes it so frustrating um, is that we can play so well on one game and be the complete opposite uh, the game afterwards. Well, I, I, thought, I thought we played quite well at Dagenham as well. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, game, absolutely. Know, like, like I say, yeah, over the last few few weeks, um, probably since Notts County, we played well in that, that that second half. We were quite aggressive and quite confident without without winning. Um, we saw it against Wrexham as well. So it's been going on for quite a while. This just seems to be lacking a little bit of consistency. Saturday was a strange one for me because I bought the stream and everything. And usually watching the streams at home, it's I'm sat on the edge of my seat, I'm pacing, everything, just like me being at a match, really. But, yeah. it, I mean, we've, we've talked a fair bit about not having this, we've not been allowed in, we've not had this connection with the players, so you feel a bit disconnected from it. And for, I've, I've come to realise Jim Gannon was the one thing making a lot of people feel connected, I think. I think there was a fair bit of apathy surrounding the last two games, just purely off the back of that. He, he was the one, I think, proper connection from the club to the fans. So w- without that now, it's basically a bunch of hired hands that we've never met playing. Yeah, yeah. I, I said that uh, last week was that it kind of that link between old and new was that conduit, mm. it was like Jim Gannon. And now that's not there. It does feel a little bit distant, quite literally, really, obviously, because we've not been allowed back in Edgley Park for nearly a year and... In that time, there's so many new faces, so much has happened that, yeah, yeah we, we kind of feel a bit disconnected at the moment. Yeah. I think it's interesting as well that uh, I, I, when, when we sat Gannon, one of the things I was I put on a message board was uh, that the, I, I think they'd chosen, to, they're not chosen to do it now, but it, it worked in their favour that we weren't there. That at the very next game, there wasn't mm-hmm. going to be a chance of Jim Gannon's Blue White mm-hmm. Army or booze or anti-negative chance. So in that sense, it worked in the owner's favour. But conversely, based on what you guys have just said, which I agree with, um, it could work against them because that connection's gone. Um, we've lost Gannon. There's quite a lot of negativity now. And as we're not being allowed into the grounds and watching the games, you know, it, it, it's becoming, you know, it's, it's not it's not the county that we knew and loved that we were a part of. We, we're at one step removed. Mm. And if anything, sacking Gannon in that way has made us two steps removed, if you well, see what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you say that, Dave, because... Uh... Uh, earlier today, I was in communication with Des Sinks, a name that many people will know. Uh, yeah. And uh, the essence of the communication was there is a disconnect, uh, and that disconnect has come about because of COVID, uh, undoubtedly, yeah. not being in the ground, not feeling a part of the place. Uh, but uh, equally, um, uh, when I think back to, to watching the walking game, watching last night, there was still that feeling of, not belonging anymore, and that's really what I've felt over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's certainly not for any lack of love of county. I mean, I'm sure we'd all agree that we we always want to see us win. We always want to see us do mm. well, and because we are county fans, but it's that it's that disconnect. It's it's that because we're living in such an unusual time that we you know we can't go to county and, and we're seeing so many new faces that yeah there is that there is there is that kind of barrier between us at the moment and, and as you say dave there uh, but um it's it's worse now 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 they've sat gannon yeah and there's not that much that we associate with county anymore mm. yeah well, well if that um if, if that if that divide was smashed with the win at Woking, the uh, the performance at home to Sutton certainly uh, I sort of it lumped back up again. I, I just thought it would for for me against Sutton with it with a new manager. 
you want you want to see him ironing out previous issues, which were still there, like not not putting chances away and being a bit dodgy at the back. But he se- we seem to have inherited inherited this completely new problem of the discipline for me, which was that's that's the biggest that annoyed me more than the, the defeat. Well, yeah, and there's some very. Go sorry, Dave. Go on. I was going to say there were some very pointed retweets from uh, Jim Gannon himself on Twitter today mm. when he uh, pointed out that he'd won the Fair Play Award for two years on the trot. I think it was something. Yeah, like and, that. and this this person who who claimed that about Jim Gannon has since gone back for a second go at him, and yeah, and, and I've received another reply. It's just just sit down, you know, just leave it. I heard the alarms going off in the, in the street outside when he was burnt. <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to be honest, if I was Gannon, uh, I'd keep well away from responding uh, on all of this. Um, but because uh, uh, I'm uh, always dubious about social media and how it's used. Uh, yeah. You know you know what, Martin? I, I thought that. Mm-hmm. Well, well, not that I disagree with what Gannon has said or tweeted in this case. But yeah, I just don't want to see him getting involved in, in in arguments with people because it can be very easily misconstrued as him sort of lashing out and stuff like that. That you know is, I know if people, I mean, fair play. I mean, I think we would all, if people were basically telling lies about us, we would respond to that. But I just don't want to see him getting involved in that kind of you know public dirty laundry airing. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah. But you go back to uh, your issue about discipline. I mean, it has been there all of this uh, season. We all know what Gannon's strengths were getting uh, uh, young players. Um, And talking about not giving daft fouls away and so on. But these more experienced ones, they've been doing that all year. Mm. Last night was, uh, uh, I thought it was appalling. Frankly, the old performance, I thought County were absolutely clueless how to break, two, break down two banks of four. Mm. Did we actually create a chance? It, it's, to me, it was, it was like a Venn diagram of the Neil Young era and the, the, the Herman era, and we're sat somewhere in the middle because there's just lots of sideways passing with no, seemingly no idea about how to get it forward. And just stupid little fouls. It, it baffled me on the commentary when um, Richie Bennett went in. Uh, I think it was late on. He, he more out of frustration than anything. He, he really went into one of their players. They they were surrounding the ref, calling for a red card, and the the co commentator seemed to be blaming their player when it was a shocking challenge from Bennett. It was just stupid. Yeah. And this this is a type of thing we've we've had half a decade now of players. Knowing not to do that, we've had, we've had this this dare I say culture, and for it to just be eroded within ninety minutes like that is absolutely bonkers. I, I, we've not even gotten to the the performance. Really. That, that's what's annoyed me more than anything else. It's just it's baffling. Yeah, I mean, I, you said that you said that um, Nick about the discipline, and you know, Martin said that it's been there all season, and that mm. it has it's yeah. sort of that undercurrent of ill discipline. All season, and I can see why Gannon was tearing his hair out at times. We, we've got a completely different squad makeup now, where we've got a lot of older players uh, who are, you know, massively experienced in, you know, League Two, uh, and obviously in this league as well. They've been there and done it, and it's been there all season. They're not, you know, they're not young lads any, anymore. Um, 
Gannon's obviously struggled to get that across that you know they need to play in a particular way and show respect to their opponents and to the officials and everything. But it has just been there all season undercurrent of ill discipline, players arguing with the officials, arguing with each other, and and the opposition players and that. Uh, and last night, the actual incident itself with Hogan and everything, I wasn't that asked about as as odd as that seems because it was just mm. a kind of cherry on top of the cake made of shit, wasn't it? Um, it was just, <laughs> just the, the whole performance in the sort of hour before that was just absolutely just awful, wasn't it? It was just we were just looked so tense, and we just looked like we were giving them far too much space and too much respect. Like we were, it's a confidence thing. I've, if anyone's seen the kind of tweets I've been uh, posting over the last sort of twenty four hours, a lot of it is about confidence and about how once we go behind, we're struggling to get back into the game. And it was the same last night. Um, as soon as as soon as the daft on goal went in. I just knew that we weren't going to win. I almost tweeted, and I didn't, that uh, set pieces might be our only chance of scoring it because we just looked utterly clueless. And it's the same whenever we go behind. We just look like we're not going to score. We're not going to get back into the game. And it's, it's a massive confidence thing. Yeah, I agree. Can I just... Um... I sort of flagged this a few minutes ago, but just to talk about the mm. pitch for a minute, because mm. I, I I was amazed how bad it was. I mean, I know there's been a lot of rain, but, you know, we've got, I think we're back to full-time groundsmen now, aren't we? It seems that way, yeah. Seem, seem, yeah, it seems like it, doesn't it? We've, we've bought this sort of little light that allows you to grow grass 24-7 in winter, that kind of stuff, albeit not the full pitch with, like they have in the Premier League. But the pitch was absolutely yeah. appalling. And it has been for years. You know, we've, we've always known it's been bad drainage at, at Edgeley Park. You know, remember 96, 97, the Middlesbrough game was absolutely mm. shite and uh, it only recovered towards the end of that season. But I'm just wondering, I mean, the, the reason I say it is because I think there's a few issues to, to, to talk about. I think the goal was a massive cock-up by the keeper, but I don't know whether he was just nervous about the fact that any back pass to him might bobble, it might not run through, and you know whether that was in his mind, he lifted his foot too high, I don't know. But putting that aside, we, we, we've talked about how we like to play out from the back, and we were playing out from the back last night, but it was on a shit yeah. pitch. And at any point you thought, one of these guys is going to bobble this, and an attacker will be in nick it away, and we'll be another goal down. And I just don't think you can play that way on a surface that, that is that bad. And the, the reason I'm, I'm saying, I mean, for, for example, I'll, I'll, just as, as a quick example that occurred to me, I don't think Rooney's goal from Saturday could have been scored last night, even though it was, you know, it wasn't a great pitch at, at Woking necessarily. The fact, you know, the, the sort of sweeping cross-length passes and then the ball into the middle, there'd have been so yeah. many bubbles if that move had been transplanted yeah. to Edgeley Park that there's no way he would have scored that goal. So it's getting to the point where the pitch is so shite, and if, if we're going to be playing that way. It's going to be costing us. And I just wonder whether, when you think that Stott is apparently throwing money at it, there's talk of new stands, which will run into the millions, um, because that's just what stands cost, um, whether there's a case for putting um, a decent hybrid pitch down. And it sounds bizarre that a non-league club would even think about that. And I'm not talking about an artificial surface, because they're not allowed anyway. Um, what I'm talking, and I actually was sad enough to, to do a bit of a Google, and I think 10 years ago, they were coming in at 250000 but I think now they're 500000 But if you look at it as the investment over 20 years, say, 
until whatever we, we, we relay it or, or we move us or whatever happens. So just say as a 20 year project, it's only 25,000 pound a year. And when you look at our mm. budget, you know, with interest rates being as, as low as they are, not that I suppose we'll be paying interest if, if stock uh, paid for it, I don't, I don't know. But you just think 25,000 a year to have a, a fantastic Premier League style surface on which to play the kind of football we're seemingly wanting to play. I just wonder, just putting it out there, it sounds bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Half a million quid on a new pitch for a non-league team. Well, it's, it's, but, it's utterly logical, though, to do that on one of these hybrid pitches. Yeah. Uh, I remember going to Watford, did some corporate hospitality with the, the guys that did business with at the time, and we got a look around the ground, and Watford had one of these hybrid-type pitches, you know, with mesh and uh, however it uh, uh, comes together. And that has yeah. got to be a long while ago now. I've been retired five years, so I bet it's 10, 12, 14, 15 years, that. Yeah. And to me, that is an investment. When you consider yeah. what Stock must have spent over the course of the last 12 months, not only on players' wages and redundancies and uh, uh, cast of thousands behind the scene, as I said earlier, uh, and all the stuff that's going on in the ground as well, Um that seems to me to be an utterly logical. That's where your investment should go. Yeah. Right? yeah. Frankly, I'd... putting new seats in the railway end was necessary if you want to use it. But right at the moment, they don't actually need it in terms of capacity. Yeah. I chose 20 years as just an arbitrary figure off the top of my head. I don't know what the life of these pitches are. If it's long, longer than 20 years, then the per year cost comes down accordingly. Mm. Maybe that if it's 40 years... Then you literally you, your annual cost is twelve and a half grand mm. to get one of these pitches in. You'd gain that back and more in in non-postponed games. The ability, as I say, to play a certain type of football, which is now being played seemingly at all levels well, from they, kids upwards. They, they, out they the may back. well be thinking about something like that, but uh, uh, I'm afraid, nice for, afraid so. for the next four months. Uh, we're stuck with that uh, Grimp and Meyer that exists, at the moment. and it's only going to get worse yeah. as well. It's, it's definitely not going to be getting any better. So. Yeah, it'll, it'll get better. If it's anything like 96, 97, it'll get better in about April when it dries up and the grass starts mm. to grow again. But what, the thing that struck me last night was there were areas on the pitch where the ball wasn't yeah. bouncing. When I know I know that happens when it's sodden and, it, and you know, it did against West Ham. And, and to be fair, with West Ham, it had rained for about a week beforehand. So it may well still be, well, it shouldn't be sodden still after that. It should drain properly. But, you know, our drains seemingly are, are a lot of shite. But it just, that, that pitch... Is crying out actually for for just playing it long, because of, you know playing it out from the back is is going to invite all sorts of. Problems. It was exactly the type of game where we would have seen exactly how good Richie Bennett is. That was just a game we could have done with an out ball up top, some someone who can hold it up and win headers, yeah. and he, he had to sit on the bench until eighty odd minutes or something. It was just yeah, it's very very. Yeah, even when he did, you know, even when he did come on, it was we we still didn't use no. him. It was. Like, it's like we've given up, but it's going back to the pitch there, Dave. It's a really good point. That I mean, whether we go down that route or not, you know, we'll I'm sure we'll find out soon. But it needs something, something needs to be done to it. I, yeah. I would honestly be very surprised if we don't. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, you, you think a couple of years ago, Rochdale played Tottenham in an FA Cup game and Spotland was in its usual state. Mm. Uh, they actually laid a complete new pitch within a week uh, in order to play uh, the game against Tottenham. Now, I've no yeah. idea how much uh, that would cost, uh, and clearly not one of these uh, hybrid-type ones you can put in in a week. Uh, yeah. But if you do need uh, some kind of decent surface, 
maybe that's some kind of uh, temporary solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I think Le- Leeds did something similar as well. Leeds have had one put in at Ellen Road, like during the season. Yeah, yeah. I think a few clubs have done it. I've I've, I've heard about that before. But what I was going to say is, um, talking about you know, the Tea Party years, you'll remember Martin and, and I'm sure Dave will as well, and possibly even Nick. I don't know. But Old Trafford in the early years of the Premier League was renowned as being an absolute yep. swamp. It was called the swamp. Yeah, it, it was. was it? it was yeah. so incredibly bad. But if you look at it now, because they've got these hybrid pitches, and I think, again, from my research this afternoon, I think it's about, it's not a lot of artificial fibres in it. It's like 10% or even less. Um, but it just gives enough of a of a routine for the grass, the real grass to, to get hold of. And then you've got the lights, which keep the grass growing 24-7. That it, every Premier League pitch now with one of these surfaces, and I think it's all of them. I think it might be a... a um, uh, one of the requirements for being in the Premier League, because I know under soil heating is, whether a, a pitch like that is, I don't know. But every Premier League pitch is billiard smooth for every game right throughout the winter. Right. And if you're going to play a, a decent... And I, I hope we do. I'd love to see us play a decent passing game, passing out from the back, um, You know, continuing with this, as I say, style of play that seems to be endemic in football at the moment. And that's not a bad thing. Probably the wrong word. Um, but if we're going to do that, then... You know, let's get the surface on which we can do it. And I think if we did that, we invested in the kinds of players that we're apparently now able to afford who can play that way. Then we're going to end up uh, not only going up the leagues, but going up the leagues in some in some style. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. If if we're going to attract players of that caliber who can play that kind of football, then the first thing they're going to be looking at is is the pitch. One of the first things. And you know, if it's a swamp. It, it, by yeah. you know, by the end of November, then they're not going to be interested, and yeah. we're not going to be able to sign those types of players now. Fortunately, over the last sort of few months, we've signed some good, you know, technical players, Rooney, Jennings, um, you know, those types of players, and that's the kind of caliber of players we want to be. We want to be signing, and uh, as you say, over the space of sort of ten, twenty years, it. it it kind of pays pays for itself in a way, and you know if we're able to sign these these quality players and we're able to be successful and win promotion, then yeah, it's a very 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 good investment. And some I I, I, I almost say I guarantee it, but it's 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 coming, isn't it? We've got to do something to it. Yeah, you I think what, I can't remember what date it is the final home game of the season, but once that final home game is played, if there's not people digging the pitch up ready for work to begin the following morning, I will be very shocked. I will genuinely show my backside in the Bobby Peel. To be fair, that wouldn't be the worst thing anyone has ever seen in the Bobby Peel. So that's, that's, that's something. 22nd of May, and then is the season, are they looking at an August start for next season? I assume so. If we finish in May, well, that'll get pushed back with me. Yeah, I won't, I'll, yeah, the way we're going, I think another, another couple of postponements and we will have to go on beyond the end of the season. Yeah, imagine yeah. the pitch if we have to play three games a week. Oh Jesus. my word! But but yeah, <laughs> we, I mean we're at home on Sat- we're at home on Saturday, but at home on Tuesday, I believe. Um, so you know, there's another couple of games in the space of a week. Who are we playing Tuesday? Because and... I looked on Flash Scores and there was no. I don't think we got a game Tuesday. I knew you were going to ask me that because <laughs> I, I was kind of I was kind of. Hoping I got it right there. I'm not 100 percent sure we're playing at home on Tuesday. No, there's there's 11 games. We're 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 not playing for some reason. All right, we... all right. So we've still got home game on Saturday anyway, and it's been pissing down today, hasn't it? And yeah. it's you know we're not out of 
not our winter yet. So yeah, it's um, not looking good um, on the pitch. So, so on on Saturday's game then, what what do we want to see then? What do we want to see from Saturday's game? Our performance for the cameras for me. I don't want to be looking shit on the cameras again. I know that's, that, that's a very very minor mm. aspect of it because if we if we had a one 0 win off with some with the ball going in off the ref's ass in the 90th minute we'd take it. But I just wanted to, to actually look like it, the kind of football we can the kind of football we played at Rochdale for example. Talking earlier, mm. Nick about blowing yeah. hot and cold. That was one example that uh, I always relate to. This is this is a team that can go to a League One team and play them off the park on their own ground. That's that's what I'd love, love to see on County that, that that on Saturday that County coming back. Definitely. Yeah, it kind of makes it makes it worse. And as I said before, it's so frustrating that when we can play so well one game and be so bad the next game, that's what makes it worse because we don't know which county side is going to turn up. Now, as you say, we don't want to be playing crap on national telly again. We want to be. Um, producing the kind of football, the kind of performance that we saw against Woking, that we saw against Wrexham, and you know, second half against Notts County and against Dagenham, those games, those where we're aggressive and we're confident, one and two touch, everyone's everyone's aware of each other and kind of making moves off the ball and that that kind of like lovely football that we saw on on Saturday. That's that's what we want. Um, now, obviously, we want to be winning as well, but. Just want to give a good account of ourselves, do ourselves justice on the talent. For once. Um, because, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are, there are. I mean, I, you know, we shouldn't give a shit what other people think of us. But again, it comes back to that we're trying to attract a certain caliber of players. Now, someone sat at home thinking, "Yeah, I want to be a part of this." You know, my contract is up in the summer. Um, I'll see what my agent's got to say, type of thing. You know what I mean? That that's we want to be we want to be attracting those those types of players that you know want to play for us that, mm. that watch us play and think you know that's the team I want to play for. Definitely, yeah. I'd, I mean, we, we need we need to start picking up points again as well, more than anything else, because Torquay just they keep slipping up. But I think every time they've slipped up, so have we. It's yeah. infuriating. They're becoming more than just an annoyance now. It's actually a genuine worry that they might just go all the way to the end. Um, I was just going to say, it's the home form, isn't it? Yeah. It's the home form that's letting us down. Um, now, how much that's you know to do with the pitch or whatever, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the home form that's letting us down. Seems to be that teams are quite comfortable to defend a little bit more than they would do um, if they were a home team. And we really struggle to break them down. And we've seen it time and time again this season. I think you can only count a couple of performances at home where we've actually gone out, we've um, you know played them off the park and got three points. Um, we, we have really struggled at home this season, and Yeovil are you know better side than they were early on in the season when we played them in the cup. Um, I think they've won four out of five, haven't they? And they've beat Torquay recently. Um, so it's not going to be easy at all. Yeah. It's interesting. I was just going to say, um, sort of bring Martin at this point, because just to pre- preempt that by saying, I've mentioned before that that first game against Torquay, I, I still think was a travesty that, that we were beat. And, you know, obviously I've only seen them in that one game. Um, so I'm, I'm quite surprised that they then seem to be taking the league by storm and had like a five, six, seven point lead. But I don't know. We're obviously not as good as maybe I thought we were after that, after the first few games. But are they? I mean, you mentioned about who you think are the good teams, Martin. Who uh, would you say well, the good teams are? Talk equal one, because I've got a lot of time for Gary Johnson uh, as uh, as manager down there. Uh, he always seems to 
to have a fair degree of success. Uh, I think Boreham Wood, a decent yeah. team as well, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, and uh, they might not go down well locally, but I think Galtier are all right as well. Yeah. Because they've got they've got a bloody good manager in Parkinson. I think he's absolutely superb. Did the job at Nantwich, moved up a couple of tiers, and he's yeah. doing it again there. I've always had a lot of time for Alty, to be honest. Um, they've they've not sunk to the level of other local non-league clubs trying to manufacture this rivalry with us. There seems to be a fair bit of respect in for, between County and Alty. I think they're, they're a pr- proper non-league yeah, side, right, like though, proper yeah. traditional non-league team as well. They've always been. Up around the top of non-league, so I'd be, I'd be quite happy to see them in a the football league, just not at the expense of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, way it's go- yeah. the way it's going is a distinct possibility. Oh, oh. Might in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but we just we just need that um, that performance to steady the ship again, like we had against Boreham Wood. I mean, we it, you know we weren't. Great. It was another game where we struggled to get anything going, um, but it was a point against a, a decent side. Um, I think we just need that kind of performance again, at the very least. Um, after the whole shower we had last night, um, I think we just we just need that, and, and and hopefully a win. Well, it's been it's been two two weeks now since um, since Jim was jettisoned. Um, We've had a bit more time to digest. What I'm interested in finding out off you lads is, do we think the club have a responsibility to come out and tell us what this culture is that they're looking for going forward? Because I've shown, I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but we've seen no signs of what it is it's, that they're looking for. So should we just be kept yes. in the dark, or do you think they actually should come out and? Say? But I think the worry is if they do come out and say what it is they're looking for, I wouldn't be surprised if half of it overlaps with what Jim was offering us anyway. Which they're just opening themselves up to more criticism. No, you're absolutely right, Nick. Yeah, it, it, they need to be a little bit more transparent. Um, we, we've seen Jim go because of culture. What the chuff does that mean? Mm. I mean, they've been here five minutes and they're telling us that what Jim has done over the last five years and previous to that isn't good enough. Now, I think we can all read between the lines and um, it's probably not his uh, footballing ethos that is the problem. Mm. Um, the respect, as I mentioned earlier on, the you know the respect for officials, respect for opponents, respect for each other, that's always been there, and, and it's something that you know has always been a, a positive element of Jim Gannon's um, philosophy. So yeah, I think it's probably his kind of man- management style that um, is not what was they they have been looking for. Whether that's they've just well, used that as an excuse, who knows? Um, but. Yeah, reading between the lines, that, that that's probably the reason why he has been sacked. Now, because the club have been so quiet on this issue, um, and apparently it's out of respect for for Jim and you know for all the parties involved. So yeah, that's a nice um, get out clause, isn't yeah. it? Did- because they've been so quiet, people are left people are left to speculate, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, fill the gaps uh, themselves. Oh, yeah. Like I just like I've just done there. It's just pure speculation. I, I mean, I have no idea. Well, I think I think to be fair, it's not it's not just uh, you speculating though, because I think if you look back on certain leaks onto the uh, the main message board, um, 
a few months ago and then also recently when they yeah. came back and said, yes, yeah, yeah. see, I told you so. Um, I think they made a rod for the backs with the use of the word culture because clearly I think I'm in agreement with you, Dave. I think if they were absolutely honest with us, they would say, we don't like the way things happen off the pitch. And I don't want to go any further than that because, you know, <laughs> I don't want to, you know, speak badly of, of, of Jim without him having his uh, a right of reply and also uh, speculate on stuff that, that might not be true. But I, I think you're right that there are issues around management style, let's say, that weren't liked by whoever it might be, whether it's players, whether it's uh, um, backroom staff or whatever, that, that made them think, right, we've got to flirt this guy. Okay, how do we sell it to the fans? will say it's something like culture of the club needs to change. And, you know, in, in using that word, they've made a rod for their own exactly. backs because people like us can hammer them with it. Absolutely. You know, the culture the culture of the club was not, you know, mild enough to the ref and getting three, three red cards already this season. When when we've had, what, three in probably Gannon's entire three spells with us, we probably have not had more than three red cards. So they've made a rod for their own back. They won't come out and, and explain it further. Because to do so would mean they'd have to say, you know, when we said... Well, what got lights, me was the number of people just swallowing it. Sure, with no question. It, it was just left as yeah. totally on a dying sentence at the end of it. Uh, it appalled me at the time. Uh, and obviously in the uh, uh, post-appointment of Rusk interviews, you've got Wilson there looking absolutely shifty yeah. uh, about the whole thing. Uh, and I've got to say it, uh, it could be, I told you so. Uh, but when Wilson was appointed, uh, I always spend a bit of time having a route round and think, what has this bloke actually done? Mm. What is his role going to be? Uh, and all I can see is that he's a firewall between Stott and the fans. Yeah. And uh, um, I just cannot see for myself what a director of football can possibly do at a National League club. I'm pretty sceptic. I'm pretty sceptical at the top level. Of what well, I was going to say, even going right, look at look at how Accrington are doing. Tiny, one of the smallest budgets in the football league, and they're doing brilliantly under Coleman. No need for a director of football there. I'm not. I'm not saying they're they're the rule, but they're, they're not the only ones. There's plenty of clubs who do just fine without a director of football. And you, it was an interesting point you made about um, him being a firewall between Stott and the fans because he had a perfectly good one in Jim for me. Perfectly good firewall right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just going back to what you said there, Dave, um, just about the word culture, now they made a rod for their own back. Now, if they are this kind of sleek and modern professional outfit that they have portrayed themselves to be, how the hell have they just just sunk to the level of, of, of branding their entire tenure on one word? Yeah. Because you know we 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 were chatting yeah. offline about yeah. it earlier on, uh, and Nick mentioned that fans are going to use this word to beat them to death with um, until an explanation is forthcoming or the truth comes out or whatever that might be. That people are going to use this this word culture against them uh, well, until things change on the pitch, yeah. until we get an explanation as to what happened. Um, then people are people are going to take the piss with it and. Well, I- yeah, I, I, can't, I, can't, I, I, wouldn't, can't. I was going to say, uh, I wouldn't expect the explanation, and it might be tied up with non-disclosure agreements and all this kind of thing. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah. What I would expect, what I would expect at the least, is some kind of vision uh, for the club. 
a mission statement, all that corporate bollocks that I uh, finally got out of a few years ago. <laughs> Uh, but something which said, this is the objective of the club, not some bloody throwaway line from stock, we want to be in the championship in seven years. It's about how the club grows to that point and yeah. the sort of approach it has to things. And and to me, there has been none of that whatsoever. It's all been, cos well, I say cosmetic stuff, an awful lot done uh, in terms of the ground and countless amounts of money spent. Uh, but do we actually know what the direction of the club as an entity is? We know what the goal is, championship football. But do we know how we're going to get there? It's, 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 it's something that Dave in particular has raised a number of times on the podcast, is what what's, what's the exit strategy? And there's, there's so many people now in, in, in the wake of Jim leaving, uh, I say leaving, in the wake of Jim being binned, that, seem to take the view that you just can't question the owners. It's like, oh, look look what he's done. You, you can't question it. Well, you can, because that's how you end up with chances like Evans and Melrose, by not 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 questioning things. Part of the problem, though, and I've mentioned this before and I'll come back to it, is don't forget Tony Evans' name was chanted yep. by fans at that infamous TV game, the first game of the season. So... Part of what you're up against as, as a set of fans, if you like, that want to question things and want to make sure things are done right is the unquestioning blind loyalty well, that we've seen in the last Dave, few weeks, really. On, I go on, back on, to on... Evans and I couldn't believe the fawning adulation that was given to mm. him. People up his ass on Twitter and all this kind of thing. And the same thing about Young, to be quite honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I knew what Young's track record was. I knew what his modus operandi was. And I couldn't believe the adulation that he was given because it was only ever going one way that. Mm. So it is this blind loyalty. The owners must be yeah. right. Madness. Yeah. Part of which comes with supporting the club, to be fair. I mean, you know, in, in a sense, we, we all want County to win in whatever circumstance they can. Okay, maybe you wouldn't want to become a, a dirty team or a team like some in the past, but you know we all have a degree of loyalty, and at one end of the scale, it is, it is the actual blind loyalty who would cheer anybody that well, came in, even if it was a human. It always reminds me of that clash lyric from White Mine Hammersmith um, Palais. If, if Adolf Hitler came in today, they'd send a limousine anyway. It's just, it's just spot on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he came in with brandishing his yeah. head for County, yeah, and we'd be chanting his name from the terraces. But to go yeah, back I'm to what just going to say, um, just going back to what I what I mentioned before about the word culture that they've used. Now, if they are this sort of PR heavy modern business, and Mark Stott's obviously a very successful businessman who um, has got a lot of um, you know talented and focused people around him. Um, I can't I can't believe that somebody somewhere thought that that word, that statement, was acceptable in in terms of modern business. Um, and like like yeah. I said, the, the, you know, it's the it's, it's that one Play, word that people are going to remember this this tenure for. Playing devil's advocate, and you know, I'm not in any way trying to defend them, but I will. In, in some ways, I've got some sympathy in the sense that. No sympathy whatsoever with the decision to bin Jim. That was that was ridiculous, unnecessary, and clearly done for reasons other than football, which is which is appalling. So no sympathy in in that sense. But having taken that decision for whatever reason, having to get that message out to fans, we've just binned off your manager and we're fourth in the league, lads. Aren't we doing great? The, the, their hands were tied in a sense in terms of how they could 
could do that. They could have said something like, it's for non-footballing reasons, we will not be saying any more at this point. And then that, that was it. Probably that would have been too abrupt. So they've gone for some kind yeah. of middle ground and they've dropped a bollock. Because, you know, they shouldn't have used the word culture. They're going to get hammered by it. But in a sense, I don't know. I'm not sure there was much else for them to do having made that ridiculous decision. Yeah, in the first yeah. Place. I mean, you're saying about the blind loyalty and, and people questioning start and things like that. Uh, sorry, not questioning start. Um, it's the kind of bread and circus thing, isn't it? Uh, because they've done a lot of redevelopment, yeah. um, they've done this kind of rebranding over the summer that we we all we all know and we've all seen, and you know you keep people you keep you know you keep yeah. people happy, oh, right? Um, with those kind of cosmetic things, those kind of material things, uh, and people will follow you blindly uh, because our standards have been so low for the past you know fifteen twenty years that. Um, you know, as soon as somebody comes along yeah. with a few quid, we're all on board and we all think it's great. But it kind of led up to that that decision, and that now eroded a lot of trust and a lot of faith that people had. I mean, just the way we've been speaking for the past, you know, ten minutes or whatever, shows that. Even though it's a very very small snapshot of the county support, but you go on Facebook, you go on Twitter, you go on the message boards, and the feeling is pretty much the same that they've back themselves into a, a huge corner now and they have to deliver with Rusk um, because if they don't get this right, it's yeah. it's going to go downhill very, very quickly. I, th- I think you've summed it up there, yeah. I, th- I, think, I think that's a good good place to leave uh, that particular discussion. But I th- it's, it's certainly going to be a discussion that we're going to keep on having just podcast after podcast because I've... I, 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 <laughs> call me a pessimist, but I just, I just can't see anything improving. But... It's only early days, so I suppose we'll see. Shall we have a quick five-minute break and then come back for the second half? Do you remember the air crash? Do you remember the rag and bone man? Do you remember putting gravel on your butties? Do you remember having rat for dinner? Do you remember papering your walls with spam? Do you remember what you had for breakfast? The Tea Party section of the County Podcast, proudly sponsored by Memories What Are of Stockport, one of the 73 Stockport-based Facebook groups that are scared to death of modern life. Do you remember when you last saw your trousers? And we are back for the second half. I I must say that was probably the best first half since Saturday, fellas. So, well well done. Um, So... We're going to chat to Martin Frost now. Uh, the one thing I want to chat about the most is your website. For those who don't know, it's 57hattersyears.co.uk. Tell us a little bit about that because I just find myself constantly getting lost in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell you about it. Well, uh, I've always liked writing, um, mm. as Dave well knows, because uh, I contributed a fair bit to the Tea Party many moons ago. Um, and when I. Uh, Packed up work, which is in 2016. Um, uh, I started to write a book, uh, which was about it'd be 54 years or whatever then, wasn't it, uh, that I've been following County. Uh, so uh, wrote an awful lot. Then uh, sadly, I got stricken down, um, and the thing was just put on the back burner, uh, probably for about two, two and a half years. Then COVID came along, and I thought you've got to have something. Uh, to actually fill your time here. 
keep it sane uh, because I knew uh, that given the condition I've got, I was going to be stuck in the house uh, for the foreseeable. And uh, 11 months later, I still am. Uh, so I decided uh, to uh, continue with the stuff that I'd written. Uh, and over the course of the summer, it developed and developed, and I kept doing new things on it. And I thought, this ain't going in a book uh, in the near future. Uh, how about putting it on the web? Um, you, know, you put the effort in it, at least uh, share it more widely. Um, so taught myself how to set a website up, uh, all sorts of things, um, and launched it round about the, uh, I think it was the beginning of October. And what, what should I call it? Well, by then it had been uh, 57 years uh, of uh, uh, following County uh, since that first game back on 12th October 1963. Um, and because I'm a statistician, I'm an accountant actually, but a statistician by training as well, uh, I've always kept lists of things, uh, games that I've been to, got any number of reference books. Uh, so I knew exactly uh, which games I'd been to and uh, just sat down in front of the laptop um, and went through it basically uh, on a club-by-club uh, -club basis, places I've been. Uh, because uh, it's not uh, essentially, uh, you know, went to this game and so-and-so scored. Uh, uh, it's really a reflection. So one of the early ones I wrote was uh, about Huddersfield, uh, going to Leeds Road uh, and how... Uh, always going over Saddleworth Moor, uh, I spend a period of uh, quiet contemplation. Because uh, back around 1963-4, I lived in Gorton, around about 200 year, uh, yards from where uh, Brady and Henley uh, were operating. Oh, yeah. uh, that made a huge impact on a youthful mind at that point. So every time yeah. uh, I go to Huddersfield, I always uh, think about that uh, and what might have been. Uh, and remember yeah. being kept in the house for uh, months on end. So it's been a reflection on uh, uh, all sorts of things, football uh, and non-football. Um, so uh, I'll just put it on the web. It's had uh, a pretty good um, uh, reaction, I've got to say. Um, and uh, I'm pleased that uh, the effort that I've put in has, uh, uh, has been appreciated by a lot of people. So that's basically it. I just like that's that. Cool. Yeah, I do find myself quite often going on there just to get a fact for the podcast or something, and three hours will pass, and I'll still be on there just just going deep down the rabbit hole. So if if you haven't got on there, get on fifty seven hattersyears.co.uk. It's the most invaluable resource you could possibly own. So it's absolutely brilliant. Now, as you said, you you contributed to the tea party as well, didn't you? Oh, I did. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Dave, from about issue eight or nine onwards. Uh, almost to the end. Yeah, which I think, to be fair, Matty, you say you say on the website, don't you? There's quite a lot of your tea party stuff is on there, uh, there's and still, uh, there's still a bit to put on. Uh, uh, excellent, as well. excellent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, I mean, uh, in in terms of filing stuff away, my loft's full of stuff, football programs, and all sorts of things. Um, and I went up one day, and all 100 uh, uh, editions were in a box up there. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I had a look through them. It always, always makes me laugh. Um, I don't know if people are aware of it, but we about halfway through the run, we did a best of the tea party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, what we did for the cover, 
was um, a team shot, basically, where we, we lined up like a proper football team with a, a... I think we brought folding chairs, possibly, or a bench, I'm not sure exactly, but we did it on Hardcastle Road outside the ground. Mm-hmm. And we had a row of lads stood at the back and a row of lads uh, um, sat in the front. And Martin couldn't make that. So it actually made it even more of a of a of an actual team photo because back in the 70s, when I first started um, looking at um, football magazines, uh, shooting, what have you, Whenever there was a team photo, they always used to put missing players' heads in, floating around there. <laughs> and, and they had the left to, left to right back row, left to right front row, and then brackets, inset, yes. Joe Bloggs. I was the so inset. we had an inset. And Martin, yeah, so it actually made me dig because I thought, it's, it's a proper team photo now. Someone couldn't be there and we've got an inset. <laughs> so, so Martin was the inset on that, on that one, which is uh, great. A real uh, passport prisoner style photo from memory. <laughs> yeah, I remember asking you for it. But yeah, just to, to sort of reinforce what Nick said about the site, it's like a almost a county Wikipedia. Yeah. You know, sometimes you, you're clicking around and the nature of it. I mean, I would have loved to read the book, Martin. I don't know if it'll, it'll you know, whether you'll, you'll manage to get it in that well, format it's, eventually. Uh, I've, I've been talking to uh, uh, Spike Bill Brennan uh, recently. Yes. Uh, yeah, he's a good... And. Uh, um, he said, uh, if you need any help putting it in book form, um, then yeah. uh, uh, get hold of him. Now, he's, uh, he's your man, yeah. Um, it's certainly something. Uh, I've still got a, uh, a fair bit of writing to do. Uh, yeah. And what I will say, going back to what we were talking about previously, I've hardly touched the computer in two weeks. I've not had the enthusiasm to get back to it. Uh, yeah. And I used to spend maybe two, three hours... Uh, uh, a day, just uh, jotting stuff down, rooting around, uh, researching, yeah. trying to find the program from a game and all that kind of thing. And that enthusiasm yeah. has gone, but uh, a bit of an ad. I put a post up earlier today um, because, uh, uh, what is it? 56 years ago today, we played at Anfield and yes. drew that Lem, Lem White game. And uh, Des Hinks got hold of me uh, earlier on. He said, I've written this piece about it, and I thought it was so good that even though it's not my writing, uh, you'll find it on the uh, uh, the site now uh, with some pickies of the game and so on. So it's it's, yeah, but... it's intended to be a bit of a repository uh, for uh, uh, for county stuff. And it goes back to what I was saying before. Then that that, that like I say, a, a book would be great, and you know I'd, I'd certainly love to read read a book version of it. But in a way, a website with tagging of of particular things. Um, lends itself almost better to something like this because, you know, you can sort of say, you know, click the tag for the Tea Party and you'll see all your contributions to the Tea Party sent back. It's a really well put together site in that in that sense. It's easy to navigate and you can also uh, follow the rabbit warren route down. Like Nick said, you'll, you'll go on it and then three hours later you'll look up and think, Christ, <laughs> well, where's the time gone? And uh, a website does lend itself to that kind of reminiscence. <laughs> I think if you if you actually take Martin's site and Leo's spreadsheet, it's really not much else you need in terms of county research. Well, well, what I would do is uh, say Hatters Matters uh, has been uh, pretty useful for me as well. Yeah. Uh, because even though I've got all sorts of stuff and re- uh, reference books, you go on that site and you think, who played in that game? What was the team and whatnot? <laughs> and it's all <laughs> down there. Uh, so yeah. that that's a great place as well. Yeah. Thank God for slightly autistic OCD football fans. Exactly. Without them, without them we'd have nothing. Yeah. Without, without <laughs> them, we'd have no listeners. Well, without them, we wouldn't exist, because let's face it, we're all that way, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> so you've, you've brought an uh, issue of the Tea Party with us this month, haven't you, Dave? 
Yeah, well, what, what I thought we'd do is, um, and it goes back to what Martin was saying, um, he actually highlighted um, one the other day when I think he was talking about Arthur, the famous Arthur. Yeah. Um, a fan who, if you saw him, you'll never, ever forget him. But if you didn't see him, it's very difficult to get across just what a character he was. Um, because no matter how exaggeratedly you describe what he did, it doesn't beat the reality. The reality was absolutely hysterical. And it was, it was it was one of these characters. So around about this time, which is what, issue 26, I think this was about the first or second issue of the post-Wembley uh, Peterborough game. No, it was a year later than that, Dave. It was September 93. Yeah. Oh, right. So that's... Which 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 Wembley game was that? Uh, Wembley uh, game, Vail. Yeah. Vail, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I knew it was after one of them. Yeah, you're right, actually, now thinking about it. Because there's about three articles in it about about Wembley. So it must be early on in that season. Um, but what we did was, um, I think I remember having the idea, because I talked to Jack Oldham, who's uh, no longer with us, sadly, although his, his son Dave um, still is, lives in Scotland now, but they were both big fans and big contributors to the Tea Party. And he, he sent an article in, or he started chatting about Arthur. And I think we'd mentioned him once or twice anyway in, in earlier issues. And because we had this this stuff, I thought about doing something, which again, talking about old magazines and how football squad pictures used to have insets. Old magazines used to have what they called pull-outs as yeah. newspapers as well. No one ever no one ever pulled them out. <laughs> no one ever pulled them out and put them to one side thinking that'll make a nice collector's item. That'll be worth something in a few years. <laughs> but pull-outs were a part of magazines. So almost as part of a, a piss take of slash homage to that, we did an Arthur pull-out where the four centre pages of this issue were all about this guy Arthur. <laughs> And just, just to clarify a few things, because um, a few people think that Arthur, as in the guy who we're talking about who ran up and down the line, is Arthur Brownlow oh, no. uh, of, of, of song fame. But he isn't, and we established that because we, we, we found out his name was actually Arthur Cooper. I think Arthur Brownlow was a character in Coronation Street. Crossroads. Mm. Crossroads. Crossroads, right. Yeah. I've no idea how that Arthur Brownlow character from Crossroads came to be immortalised in the song and whether he really did have swinging tits and a small widgie. <laughs> we'll perhaps never, never know. But he wasn't the Arthur who used to run up and down the pop side shouting the most incredible filth, especially to the young, <laughs> young kids' ears at the linesman. It was absolutely better than the game in, in most weeks. <laughs> I would think, oh, God, he's here. And he would never stay still. So he was there with his trilby on, and he, I think he quite often had an umbrella or a, or a cane. Yeah. And he was, he was. And he always had a woodbine in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, and he'd, he'd follow the linesman up and down, <laughs> and woe betide the linesman if he'd given a decision against County, because Arthur would be on his back for the next, well, the rest of the game basically, running up and down, and it, you know he'd have checked in the program that the you know the linesman with the yellow flag was Mister Reg Hovis from uh, Bradford. <laughs> And he would he would have checked that out because he would be saying "fuck off back to Bradford always you blind bastard <laughs> and, and a lot worse and it was just for a kid watching going to county hearing swearing for the first time shouted anyway from fans and then seeing this absolute dervish of a sixty seventy year old man <laughs> running up and down the line shouting at the linesman it was one of the best things ever but yeah so he's not Arthur Brownlow he's a guy called Arthur Cooper mm. who uh, ah. we established worked at Squirrel Horn. One of the, one of the things we put in the in the fanzine as part of the pullout was um, we actually I went with Dave and Jack. It was around the time where we'd built where the county had built the new exit from the corner of the Popside and Railway End, which led down to a path from which you could go behind the reservoirs one way or out to Mercian Way in the other direction. 
and we put a gate there. I don't think it's used now. The gate still exists, I suspect, but I don't think it's ever opened for, for exiting the ground. But we thought, well, we'll call it the Arthur Gate, the Arthur Memorial Gate. So I printed out and laminated, and there's a picture of it I've put in the fanzine, yeah, um, a sign saying the Arthur Gate. <laughs> we went there on a Sunday morning, and uh, we sort of had a little respectful moment while uh, we pinned this sign. To the, I think it probably lasted about 10 minutes before it was pulled down, but it just, it just, I just thought it was a really funny thing to have done. With the old-fashioned floodlights towering above it. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. I remember the uh, the exit when we yeah, we used to we used to use that when the when we, were, when we had the railway end, didn't we? We used to use that. Yeah. I went out that way yeah. a couple of times. I think if you lived that side, or you parked over that side on the Moscow yeah. Road estate, it's a sensible way to go. But the other thing was that, um, which was amazing, that, that Jack did so much research. They actually found out where he was born. <laughs> He was born in Higher Hillgate in 1926. So, based on that, I went in the mid 70s. So he, he could have only been in, he's younger than I am now. He would have been like he would have been late 40s, bizarrely, if he was born in 26. Which is it's just astonishing because he looks about 160 <laughs> <laughs> and had lived about a tough a tough life. Um, but I'm, he actually I'm, found his... I'm just looking at uh, the piece in uh, the fanzine. He was only yeah. six, 60 when he died. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, like you say, he looked about 80 or 90. <laughs> uh, High blood yeah. pressure, probably. Yeah. So, uh, so he, he always had a long mac on, woody in the mouth, trilby on his head, with a pair of wellies. Sounds like Pete Duckett. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember I used to sit in the uh, Cheadle end uh, when it was just six rows. Uh, towards the uh, pop side and it was prime entertainment as he uh, chased up and down and uh, berated the linesman and one of the uh, memories i think it's in an earlier edition of the um, uh, tea party i don't know whether you remember a ref called gordon hill yeah yes um, yeah sort of a part of moustache type thing and yeah. um, uh, he uh, mentions in his uh, autobiography uh, when asked about matches he found most difficult to ref. Um, and he talks about County against Colchester, round about 72, and says, I was running the line this particular afternoon in torrential rain for most of the match in front of a paltry crowd of some 1,500. And that would be right at that time. <laughs> uh, I was conscious of being attacked by an irate elderly man with a stick who attempted <laughs> to crack me every time I ran past him. Um, I'm certain that uh, those of you who did see Arthur, uh, that certainly rings a bell. Uh, but the issue there is, <laughs> in 1972, Gordon Hill described him as an IRA elderly man. He'd only been yeah. 46 then. <laughs> it's astonishing, isn't it? <clears throat> I've only just realised, just looking at that article now, where, where um, Jack Oldham um, does his research, and uh, his birthday is absolutely staggering. <laughs> It's staggering. Yeah, like I say, he'd be 46 <laughs> and he looks, well, I think you've been generous with 18, Martin, to be honest. I'd have said <laughs> well past 120. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, yeah. so that's the uh, the Arthur special uh, in yeah. TTP 26. And uh, yeah. uh, Jack Oldham uh, did a great job there in doing the research. And uh, it was certainly um, uh, a great piece to put in. And there was a little addition to it. I only remember a guy called Sess Pod played for Bradford. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or maybe uh, no, not old enough to. Uh, but I actually yeah. remember this game. And 
uh, it snowed. I'll tell you why I remember it. Because County had to play in blue shirts that day uh, because of the snow on the ground. And it was pretty deep. Uh, no way a game would go ahead in uh, uh, today's climate with that kind of thing. Um, so we played in blue. And they presumably had to go down to the sports shop down the road to buy an orange ball as well. Uh, <laughs> obsessed pod. Um, uh, he was a uh, colour bloke, right, uh, for Bradford fullback. And during the course of the game, snowballs kept uh, pouring onto the pitch. Um, and one of these caught Cess Pod plumb on the top of the head. So you've got a white uh, white mass on the top of his head um, and obviously um, uh, a black face <laughs> involved in it. It caused uh, great hilarity at the time. <laughs> I've got to say, <laughs> it's one of the things I actually remember from that game. I've stood on railway end. Uh, for some unaccountable reason on a snowy night. Uh, uh, that dates me. That's gone back an awful long while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jack mentions that in, in his in his article. But yeah. there's another piece from, from you, Martin, talking about Friday night football. And it's a weird thing that, it, that this was a massively live discussion at the time, oh, yeah. early 90s, because we'd sacked off Friday night football not very long before this. And there were still a lot of people at the time who wanted us to go back to it, wasn't there? Well, it just one seems. Of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, reading your article. It just seems weird now, from, from the point of view of where we are now, to think that virtually every home game, with the, with the exception of about three or four a season, was played on a Friday night. Always better. Always better. Well, the game under the lights is always better. And I remember having a heated discussion with uh, Dave Jolly uh, in the Elwood years. Yeah, they were, weren't they? Sports yeah. meeting in Hyde. When I first started going... This is, uh, madness moving away from it your crowds will go down it's better atmosphere teams don't like coming here on a friday and all that kind of thing no you don't know what you're talking about well that may well be true uh, but i was just dismissed uh, as though i was nobody uh yeah they, uh, they'd made the mind up hadn't they? oh yeah very much so uh yeah. so i did that that piece that i did was uh uh like i said earlier uh i'm into numbers and statistics and money uh, and I thought it was statistically provable yeah. uh, that uh, you'd get bigger crowds. Uh, so uh, I wrote to Mr. Dent uh, and put a copy of this uh, in the fanzine, uh, June 1993, uh, asking him why they were allowing it, um, uh, the, the move to Saturday, why they wouldn't let uh, Friday football. Um, and uh, it was a fairly well-composed letter, uh, looking at it now. Uh, from 28 years distant um, and uh, it'll come as no surprise to you that uh, on uh, 3rd of February 2021 I still don't have a reply or a <laughs> I like the implication you're leaving it open for the fact you might get one yeah, yeah. Yeah. you never know do you you never know um, you never know you find out hear about these pieces of correspondence cropping up donkeys years later but uh, <laughs> no I'll not be rushing to my post box tomorrow morning Left it open like the end of the Italian job. <laughs> I was just looking as well, just leafing through this one. Um, a couple of impressions I got was that we were still quite worthy at the time, uh, in quotes. I've just done air quotes for the benefit of people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yet, we were still we were still liked at the time, obviously, and, and you know, high, very very highly rated because this was leading up to the point where we were winning things as fans in the year and what have you. Mm. Um, but I don't think it's as funny 
as the kind of stuff we were doing later on in sort of camp referee years, which we've, we mentioned in a podcast a couple a couple of episodes ago. Um, but we did still have uh, some of Bill Edge's cartoons. Um, there's a couple of them in there, which is fairly run-of-the-mill, I, I would say. But there's one on the inside back cover, which I know uh, Dave was talking about earlier, which wasn't actually done by Bill Edge. And it was done by um, a guy who called himself Starman, who was heavily involved with it. Um, and you can tell that because his signature is a little star in the bottom right-hand corner. And he was a really good cartoonist, um, you know, as, as well as uh, just being massively helpful with the fanzine. Um, there's a guy called Tom Ellis. I mean, I mentioned his name, Tom Ellis. Not, not the Tom, Tom Ellis who uh, acted in Miranda, then went to have a Hollywood career. This was a Tom <laughs> Ellis who used to sit on the back row of the lower tier of the Cheedland. And um, yeah, what was? I've, I've lost me. I've lost me thread here a bit. But, oh, uh, the cartoon. Cartoon. Yeah. So the cartoon itself, um, it's it's it's. It's quite funny. I mean, albeit it's, it's it's probably an old joke or a, a joke that's been used before, but it's just enhanced by the, uh, <laughs> the style of drawing that, that Tom's done because there's a, a, a an establishing shot in a news agent at the start and there's a couple, three people in the queue and a guy behind the counter. And uh, the guy at the back of the queue, he looks like he might have a county shirt on, judging by, judging by the zigzags. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. right. In 1993, it was the uh, electric shop shirt. Oh, yeah. yeah. But he's, he's having a quick shifty at the top shelf, Mags. And... Um, so each of them asked the, the, the shopkeeper in turn, and the first guy with the dirty back on says, do you have a copy of Farm Animals Dressed in Suspenders? And the guy says, certainly, sir, top shelf, far end. <coughs> Next guy, he's a businessman because he's got a bowler hat on. That shows he's a businessman. Obviously, yeah. He says, could I have my copy of Big Boys Hot and Horny, please? <laughs> and the, the shopkeeper says, yes, sir, I've got your copy under the counter. <coughs> and it's, 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 it's announced by the fact that Tom... Considered these to be the names of of, of dodgy magazines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how did he? How did he, Yeah, you know, he must have done some research. Uh, I'm animals dressed in suspenders. It's very niche. And anyway, it comes to the county fan at the end, and he says, "Have you got a copy of the tea party, please?" And the shopkeeper sees his ass and says, "Clear off, you pervert. This is a respectable shop." <laughs> <laughs> No. Well, well drawn. I think I think Tom was was uh, was amazing. Craftsman <laughs> uh, almost. Um, yeah. I bought this at the time um, when it, when it was originally out. So I'd have been ninety three. I'd have been fourteen, um, <laughs> and took it into school. And me and my mates just absolutely pissed ourselves laughing at this cartoon. It was just the funniest thing ever to fourteen year old boys. Just so yeah. funny. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 absolutely hilarious. A, that's, that's the target audience, I think, 14-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's, well, there's another thing that made you laugh, Dave. There was a picture of uh, David Miller. Oh, yeah, Dave Miller. Yeah, an ecstatic David Miller, unable to contain his glee, picks up, uh, picks up the Player of the Year award. And, yeah, looks like he's... he's yeah. Looks like he's just um, come home and... Um, Found his uh, his missus has left him and he's got a massive tax bill. <laughs> I remember doing that because that was just literally cut out of the back page of the Stop Express, and it just made me laugh to see it. That he's he's, he's literally won. He's he's holding two awards. He's clearly won two awards. Whether it was Player of the Year and Goal of the Year, I'm not sure, or whatever Club Man of the Year, the kind of thing they have. And his face is he's got a face like a smacked ass. I'll try and photograph it and and share it out on social media so you can see what I mean but he does not look happy and he's literally just won two player of the year awards well, <laughs> w- weirdly enough there was there was one that popped up earlier today it's a player for 
Let's see if we can find it. Um, yeah, so it's Carlisle United. They're sponsored by a local curry house. So the man of the match gets a takeaway curry after the game. They lost 2-1 last night, and there's a picture doing the rounds of the lad who's won the free corner. And it's it's just like that. He's, but he's stood in the changing room in his kit with a tray with the with the corner in it, and he he, he looks he looks like it's a tray of human shit. Honestly, <laughs> it's local. It's local news, isn't it? Is he pointing at it with a sad face? Yeah, he might as well be. I, I, I think, I think about, three, about three seconds later, I'm pretty sure he was. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, funnily enough, um, I've, I've remembered a thread from earlier on, um, Tom, who did the cartoon that we just talked about, appeared on the photo with me, which I think someone shared on the uh, podcast Twitter account earlier, where we're holding up fanzines in my back garden. Yeah, yeah. And what that was, it was when we were when we were finishing the fanzine and the Express came and interviewed us and took a photo and uh, did a little feature of it. It's quite a big feature, actually, that appeared. And that photo was actually on the front page of the Express above the headline. And, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, said to, I said to Nick in, in reply to uh, some comment on the uh, on the uh, Twitter that it was local news, so I was surprised they didn't make us put the fanzines on the floor and then have us pointing at them with sad faces. <laughs> that is the accepted pose for people in local newspaper photographs. Absolutely. Com- long compo face. Yeah. I'm just, that- just leafing through the... Uh... Uh, that edition now, uh, and there's a two-page spread on by Dave Crook. It was the unsung heroes, and uh, two pages on uh, Keith Alexander. Uh, obviously, <laughs> uh, sadly, uh, no longer with us now. But uh, uh, do you remember him playing in that uh, infamous short spell? I do. Yeah, yeah. Do you guys? It's slightly before my time, that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, he couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. Can't yeah, I think it was about a, a year before. Well, actually, Keith Alexander. No, he play, did he play in 1990? Yeah, no, I think you all know this one. It's um, not without Adele in, but it was certainly in the Bagaria years. So, uh, yeah, no, I vaguely, vaguely remember him. Yeah, uh, he was, uh, he'd got a decent goal-scoring record at Grimsby and places like that, but uh, came to us and... Uh, uh, as Dave said, uh, didn't even know where the goal was. Never mind finding back of the net. Yeah. <laughs> Something I just wanted to point out um, in this in this issue. Uh, I don't know whether you were going to mention it, Dave. So I do apologise if I've oh, uh, well. nicked something from you. Was the tea party around the world number seventy three? Oh right, yeah. Uh, it's, a pi- the... it's a picture What's outside that? Stoke flicking the V's. Yeah. Guess who that is? Now I'm That's hoping a... it's you. Yeah, it is. Marvellous. <laughs> well done. I had to go down to Stoke. I can't remember the reason why, but um, I, couldn't, I couldn't miss that opportunity. And uh, we had a tradition of people holding the fans in the front of their faces. I think it started as though they were supposed to be reading it. But then in the end, it was like they were clearly just hiding the faces. And it just it, it seemed appropriate that it was the Victoria ground and I just flashed a massive V sign. So, so follow-up question. This is in the days before mobile phones and, you know, multiple camera angles. Who's taking the picture? Actually, that explains why I was there. Yeah, it was actually my brother-in-law who was at college in Stoke. All right. And I was, I was taking him, I, I took him back to his digs and I just said, while you're here, here grab that. I'd obviously gone prepared. You know, not like now when, like you say, everyone's got a camera in the pocket. Um, I had to get film, load me SLR up and, 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 and do it. But yeah, it was, it was worthwhile. Worthwhile to have a photo of me flicking the V's at the Victoria Ground. I do that. Anytime I go out shopping with my, with my girlfriend, 
because we, we always go either Asda next to the Etihad or we'll go up to uh, White City right near Old Trafford. So either either way, I'm getting to flick the Vs at a football oh, stadium. Yeah, you're probably probably shopping. Money on the shopping trip then, yeah. Oh, yeah, no messing about. No messing, yeah, yeah. It's well worth it. <laughs> yeah, very good. Um, yeah, I'm just flicking through. We've got um, a Dr. Dot, which is uh, um, Mark Steen, I think, getting sent off. And I'm not sure it says answers to the Doctor Dot in number twenty-five. I've got a feeling I actually did this as a Doctor Dot because I think I've drawn that one. That's one of mine, and I'm pretty sure we did. I'm going. I'm going to have to dig out TTP twenty-five and just see whether there was a genuine Doctor Dot there, which formed when you when you filled it in. Mark Steen getting a red card. <laughs> oh, we need to bring that back. I've not done Doctor Dot in years. Doctor Dot. The other thing as well, the final thing I was going to mention, I don't know if anybody else has got any views on this issue, but there were, I think, three separate articles about the Wembley game. And I think you're right, Martin, it was the it was the Vale game in 93. Yeah. And it's interesting <laughs> that that was the game that was mem- remembered most by county fans for the chanting, the non-stop Danny Begara's Blue mm. and White Army chant, which started on one side of the ground where we had a few fans, moved across to the other side, the Royal Box side, where we had more fans, and in the, and they actually got so loud that they mentioned it on the Sky commentary. They, they made reference to the fact yeah. that the county fans were doing. And then we got an article a, a while back, a while afterwards, and it said um, it goes into the detail about the chant. And he says, "Well, it's interesting because I know where the chant started. It started in, in amongst a few seats where we were sat, um, and it was on the fa- I was sat on the roll box side, and this guy was writing from the other side. And he said that's where the chant started. It was the people who came on our coach." We started it off, um, and there's this one ringleader, this one guy who just literally would not stop. He was encouraging everyone to get up on the feet and join in, and it sort of it rippled out like a wave from that point and was taken up by the rest of the county fans in the ground. And they said he'd been doing. Do, do, do. So gone. I'll, I'll just quickly finish the story because it's, it's quite a funny payoff. Um, so he, he enclosed a photograph and he said, um, you know, it was this guy who was on our coach. In fact, in fact, he ran the coach. And, uh, you know, there's a picture of him stood in the aisle, you know, singing and, and chanting and determined clearly to have a fantastic day of it, no matter what the result, which in, in a sense, because it was the autoglass and we'd already gone out of the playoffs, it was quite deflated in that sense. So we did have to sort of determine ourselves to have a he, he took it to the ground. He was sat with us. He he, um, he, he got us all up and chanting. It went round the ground and ended up being commented on by the sky things. And the photograph was uh, none other than Mr. Phil Brennan himself. Yeah. So that, that county inf- infamous, famous, uh, you know, renowned county um, chant, which was remarked upon and is still talked about to this day, and was remarked upon by the sky um, guys, was uh, down to Mr. Brennan himself. So take a bow, son. Well, Excellent. Learned something there, Dave. I've got to say that, that that those few minutes that it happened, uh, it was one where the hairs uh, raised on the back of your neck. Uh, yeah. I thought it was it was quite unbelievable. Uh, Especially because it sucked the goal in, didn't it? Oh, the yeah. goal came right in the well, middle of it. Yeah, there was something. It might even have been in Tea Party, you know, Port Vale two, uh, Foiler whoever scored for them. Uh, yeah, Bernie Slagman it was. Uh, yeah, Port County one. Stockport County fans, 68th yeah. minute or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I going to say, um, that whole Danny Begara's Blue My Army thing, um, I was on the Royal Box side that day and we didn't have the end, did we? So it was just like the, the two sets of county fans were kind of opposite That's each right, other because yeah. we didn't, didn't put any in the end. 
And yeah, like you say, it kind of it just grew and grew and grew. And it was ridiculous. And like you say, there was kind of like one person who started off encouraging everyone to sing and stuff like that. But that's kind of like happened in little pockets, sort of dotted about. There was people literally, you know, kind of stood on the seats encouraging everyone yeah. to get up. And it was just ridiculous. I don't, I, I can still remember it today. And my hands were stinging afterwards, yeah. clapping constantly for about 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah. I think, if anything, I mean, we had, we had four shit Wembley visits before we actually had the successful one under, uh, I can't remember the name of the manager who, who was managers at the time, but we definitely won at Wembley. Uh, well, he's, he's, he's definitely not involved yeah, anymore because he's yeah, yeah, culture problems and all that. Yeah. In terms of ranking them, obviously, way out on its own by far as the shittest Wembley experience in any county fan's life is the Burnley game. You know, going one nil up and then having Ellery uh, decide to send as many players off as he could <laughs> cost us the game. Then behind that, I think is for me it's Stoke because it's we could have won a pot and it would have been the first one, first Wembley trip, etc. Um, and then you can't really say you've got a favourite Wembley game of, of ones where you've lost, but um, no, actually, so it's not Stoke. I'd say Peterborough is obviously oh, second worst. Yeah, the, the, the nature. Yeah, the nature of it, and there's so much at stake in those two games. And then you've got the two games where there's less at stake, yeah. even though it was a trophy. And of those, I think the Port Vale one was less shit. So in some ways, it's a it's a bit of a bizarre way of ranking it. But you know, this this game we're talking about was probably the best, if you like, of the. I'm doing air quotes again when I say best, the best of the four, <laughs> four shit old Wem- old Wembley experiences. Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah I'd probably go along with that. Um... The Stoke one, we just didn't turn up, did we? Just to talk about the game, we just, yeah, I just remember sitting through that game thinking we, we can play much better than this. We was so much better. Yeah. Better. Well, we anyway, had, yeah, yeah he was offside. Wasn't yeah, he was offside, but we had that goal early doors. Was it Wheeler? Somebody yeah, like Paul. They, they gave him yeah. a foul. Yeah. No Found on the keeper, wasn't it? When, yeah. when you look back at video of that, which I did because I found it to uh, to put on the site, I'm thinking, how on earth? I think it was Bodenham or somebody like that referee in the game uh, at the time. Yeah. Uh, how yeah. on yeah. earth did you get that decision? Yeah, it's the kind that gets given yeah. all the time simply because it happens in the six-yard box and the goalie falls over. Mm. And the majority of them are the yeah. majority, but a hell of a lot of them aren't, aren't fouls, but they just get given, don't they? Mm. It doesn't make it any easier to take. But... Yeah. Uh, did you remember, you guys who were there, just something that occurred to me. Do you remember the pro-celebrity games before the auto windscreens, the two fans? Yes. Right? There were some serious yeah, things yeah. in that, weren't they? Look, yeah, Chris, look, Evans, Chris Evans was on our team in 1992. He was, yeah, and there's people like Angus Deaton. And Stan Boardman. Yeah, there were some really sort of throwback 70s would turn up at the opening of an envelope type of players. <laughs> but there were some serious celebrities <laughs> on it as well. <laughs> I used to, I used to yeah, because yeah, like I say, Chris Evans, Chris Evans was on our team yeah. on in '92, and he'd have been quite, quite famous at the time. Oh, he was, he? he was, he was big. I think, I think I remember him coming over and kissing the shirt in front of the county fans, or certainly doing a bit of the uh, crowd pleasing antics. Yeah. Which, you know, surprisingly enough for Chris Evans, that's that's the kind of thing he did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I used to love those days because it was like a mini cup yeah. final. We didn't quite have the dogs jumping up ramps and. Through flaming hoops of fire, but uh, we had the next best thing. We had Chris Evans kissing his. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you any, any of you lads remember when it must have been a League Cup final, early nineties, and they had the fastest players in the Premier League yeah. racing at half time? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Rumbelow's Cup. Was it Rumbelow's Cup? I was trying to trying to remember what cup it was, but yeah, yeah. I thought I'd imagine that. 
the famous competition that's had Donald Trump make the draw for it. That's right. That's brilliant. That is. Just, it's got some infamy that cup, hasn't it? Just the the, the moment where they make the, the Doug Ellis that. joke, and he like, <laughs> that's that's the, oh I've, I've not seen a boardroom like this since Doug Ellis at Villa, and Donald Trump actually laughs. That just said said it all for me. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and, and doesn't he pick out Le- Leeds against Man United and just doesn't doesn't realise what he's done? I don't know. I've got. <laughs> I'm surprised. Yeah, yeah. We have to have a watch of that after. I think. Yeah. Nice one. Just going back to them Wembley games. You know the, the old Wembley games. We had Steen offside when we played Stoke, and we had Bernie Slave and Ambal in it when we played Port Vale, and we had the one that didn't go over the line against Charlie, and right. you know, you know, Kev's getting disallowed, yeah. um, and then obviously. Elevid losing his mind uh, for the Burnley yeah. one. We were just cheated out of every single one of them games, weren't absolutely. we? Absolutely, and that's that's not a biased county fan. That, that's absolutely objective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was always something on the way home. I always remember, like there was a reason why we hadn't won, and yeah. those were the ones that spring to mind. Yeah. So I've clung to that for all these years. <laughs> I, do, I always remember coming coming back from Burnley game and. Uh, our friends from Stoke had draped a banner over one of motorway bridges, Wembley 4, yeah. Stockport mm. nil. That was nice of them, wasn't it? Yeah, well, typically. <laughs> you couldn't really argue with it. <laughs> Were you on any of our coaches, Martin? Uh, I went, I drove down to the first two, the 92 ones. Uh, went, yeah, I did. I think I went on the finger uh, right, for, I think... uh, for the other two. As we ran coaches to this, uh, the Vale game and the Burnley game, and the Vale game was was part of the atmosphere afterwards because we'd lost. It didn't matter, and and the upset had come, you know, a fortnight before when we'd lost in the second leg of the playoff. Ironically, at Vale, uh, we played Vale in the playoffs and the final. Yeah. And so it was like we were doing Mexican waves from the front to the back of the coach every time we passed another fan coach, and it was just it was just a fun time. But then, come the Burnley game, and oh god, it was like. Your, your, your dog had died. It was just absolutely horrendous. Was, yeah. That one. yeah, it was fucking horrible. Yeah. Remember, we stopped at the services on the way back after that Burnley one. And they're obviously heading in the same direction to us, aren't they? So it's not as if we're playing somebody from the yeah. southeast who we're not going <laughs> to see on the motorway. Yeah. And we stopped at the services and it was just full of burnt. I was like, oh, I'm dying for a piss, but I really don't want to get off the yeah. coach. I just I can't be arsed yeah. with this. We- it was just horrible. We had a driver for horrible. that one where we ran a coach again through the fanzine and we, you know, we did it at cost, so it was pretty reasonable. I think we filled it up pretty quickly. But we had a driver who had a face like a dog licking piss off a thistle. He was, I think I've used that already tonight, but I don't care. He was, he said, and so he was never going to get a tip. The guy from the um, the, the Vale game, we passed the the hat round as you do, and uh, he must have got a few quid because everyone was happy, everyone was upbeat, everyone was doing Mexican wage front to back, as I've said. Burnley, Burnley guy came. He pulled his face about something when we when we when he arrived. He pulled his face about something at the motorway. He pulled his, he's pulling his face all the way down. Then we got beat by Burnley in the manner that we did, and I was never putting a, a, a whip round round for him. So at the end, I just like you know, sort of don't you say? I just like to see mate and walked off. <laughs> I think he was like he did one of those cartoon fumes where little zigzag lines came out of his head. <laughs> he was he was not happy. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. There we go. Yeah, those were the days. Uh, well, f- for more memories, go to scarfbagarawar.co.uk and also go to 57hattersyears.co.uk and you can you can follow Martin on Twitter at years underscore 57. Thank you for joining us, Martin. 
It's been oh, brilliant. I've really enjoyed it. It's been great. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll have you back again very soon because there's, there's plenty. I think we've only scratched the surface tonight. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Dave and Dave. You're welcome. I think we've just lost Dave Long slightly because we're doing it via Zencaster and I think he's been kicked out. So I'll say thank you on his behalf. Well, yeah. What, what if he doesn't want to say thank you? What, what if he wants to use this? A couple to... of bases. Yeah. Thank you. Get stuffed. Fuck off. Oh, that was all right. Is that, is that, that about covering? Yeah, that's pretty much. Well, that's pretty much. You've summed up the reviews there, so that's that's good as well. Uh, thank you for listening. Um, enjoy this podcast. Enjoy the rest of them, and we will be back with you very soon. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah. It's the 90th minute, all your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.